find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka. And I'm your co-host, Aaron. Bad Axe is brought to you by the Podmoth Media Network. Check out Podmoth for more great podcasts. You can support the show and get an entire year's worth of bonus episodes over at patreon.com backslash badaxepod. There is a link in our show notes and membership start at just $1. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and telling a friend about us. Before we jump into our case, I do want to note that we did just recently get some ads added onto the podcast by our podcast platform, which is Buzzsprout. So if you hear a different ad intro with like a little special ad there, that's what that is. And hopefully as we kind of move into the adosphere, we also will be offering as part of our Patreon exclusive content early and ad-free episodes, but first I have to fix my schedule so that we are making sure we have the episodes early because I take our Patreon stuff very seriously and I would be absolutely mad at myself if I messed up and didn't have that for you if I promised it. So I'm not going to promise it until I know I can do it. Excellent. All right, let's go into today's case. I have to give a trigger warning today because we do have a sexual assault mentioned We are not giving any details, but we will be mentioning the existence of a sexual assault and also the possession of child sexual assault materials. So even though I'm not going to describe anything, it might be very upsetting for some people. So just be aware of that as we go into this and we will try to keep us all in a safe space together as we explore this very sad case and the memory of these people that we are going to be talking about. Today we are going to... Galax, Virginia, in March 2016. Galax is located near the southwestern part of Virginia, near the border that it shares with North Carolina. It's a small city with about 6,700 residents. It's located near the Blue Ridge Mountains, which are part of the Appalachian Trail. And as it turns out, these mountains are more like rolling mountains, so they kind of look like ocean waves. They're crossing over each other and sort of layered and less, like, pointy, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really cool. They are covered in trees that release a gas to protect themselves from the heat, and this creates a blue haze over the mountains. So they're literally blue-looking. Nice. Which is why they are called the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's absolutely lovely. I did not know that this was a thing. I had heard of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I did not realize that they looked blue. Yeah, that makes them, like, 100% cooler. Yeah, it's a really cool effect. Definitely look up pictures of it. I'm now obsessed, and I definitely have to go see the Blue Ridge Mountains in person because it sort of, like, hangs over them. It looks very magical, like a fantasy-type image. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's the Blue Ridge Mountains, and and it's very close to those mountains. So Galax is right there. Because of this, the city has a long history with bluegrass music and folk music, on their welcome sign, Galax actually claims to be the world's capital of old-time mountain music. 
Nice. Yeah, I believe that's a self-declared capital, but that's still really cool. There's even a special type of Appalachian dulcimer, which is a stringed instrument that has a type of lute that is named after Galax. And I did not know what a dulcimer is, and apparently it looks like a double violin, kind of. That's interesting. Yeah, apparently there's a special name for it that's like, I believe it was something like Hog's Violin or something. I was looking at this earlier. I fell down a rabbit hole. Just going to be honest with you. I happen to like bluegrass music. So it was, took everything inside of me not to like listen to music for all of you and then <laughs> make you have to listen to me repeat that music. So since it's close to the mountains, the city of Galax is surrounded by lush natural scenery, including thick wooded areas and mountain views. It is a great place for hiking, boating, fishing, and camping if you want to enjoy nature. And you're probably thinking, this is not a travel documentary that I'm listening to. I'm apparently auditioning to be one of those shows that makes it onto the Travel Channel that has no business being on there. (laughs) (laughs) All the ghost shows, I'm looking at you, even though I totally watched them. Now, as my last comment about Galax, because it began as an industrial and manufacturing city, it has the remnants of old brick buildings. And its historic Main Street is really cute, but it looks like those old brick warehouses that you see in a lot of old cities. And so that's mostly what the kind of buildings they have there. So it's really attractive, but it's also like kind of folksy, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Back in 2016, 28-year-old Alyssa Kinney, who went by Allie with her family, lived in a cozy little home with her 21-month-old daughter, Anastasia Allie, or Anastasia Allie. Nice. And she went by Anna a lot. That was what the family called her, was Anna. Yeah. Alyssa grew up in Pennsylvania as the youngest of five kids born to Stacy Ludi and Francis Kinney. She was the family princess, according to her family members, and everyone doted on her because she was the youngest. They say that she was a bubbly sweetheart who was kind to everyone. And in her 20s, Alyssa decided to move to Galax to help her uncle, who was a recent widower. Not long after she arrived in Galax, she fell hard for a guy who lived next door to her. And his name was Austin Alley. In June 2014, Alyssa and Austin welcomed a baby girl into the world, and they named her Anastasia, but they called her Anna. Anna became Alyssa's joy in life. According to their family, she would get so excited over every single word that Anna would learn, and she always notified her family about it. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, as like a family member of someone who has a baby, it is really cute when they do cute stuff, so. That's true. I'm sure everyone was really excited to receive those notifications, because when it's like someone else, random person's baby, I'm like, okay, whatever. But when it's our niece or our nephew, I'm like, what did they do? Mm-hmm. I need to know this right now. That's right. Because it is really cute. Absolutely, it to is. To be fair, they are extremely cute. They are. We have the cutest niece and nephew. They're like legitimately the cutest. That's right. By March 2016, Alyssa was living in a little house on Locust Street, right across the street from her future father-in-law, Michael Alley. The close proximity allowed Michael to help Alyssa and Anna whenever they needed it. Unfortunately, Alyssa was raising her daughter alone for the time being because a mistake from Austin's past had caught back up with him and he had violated his parole for a past crime, so he was incarcerated. Now, I tried really hard to find out what this crime was, but I could not find any information about what he had done, so I'm assuming it's probably something not very big 
because I wasn't able to find anything about it. Right. So if he had done something super big and dramatic, there probably would be some sort of information available. You would think so. Yeah. So I'm assuming he probably did something small. I know some people don't like when you do that, but just know that I tried really hard and could not find any documentation about what this crime might have been. So he was incarcerated for this parole violation. The couple's family and Alyssa's friends have stepped in to support her, though, and her mom would even make the eight-hour drive from Pennsylvania to spend time with her daughter and granddaughter. Not only did Alyssa have support from her own parents, she also had girlfriends with children whom she could hang out with, and so that made it really easy for her to have just people there with her. So even though she was a single mom, technically, while Austin was away, she was able to hang out with these people. And have other people in her life that were there to, like, offer support and, you know, be there for Anna as well. Because, you know, she's a little baby. And, obviously, as a single mom, you're going to need help with your baby sometimes. Yeah. As a single mother, she managed to live a very full and busy life. And, although she didn't know it, someone in her life was watching her, waiting for the right moment to take advantage of her situation. On March 10th, 2016, Alyssa's neighbor, Richard Knopfsinger called the police to say something looked wrong at her home. He said that he noticed that her indoor cat was actually outside, and as he was looking towards this cat, he realized that the door was open. Now, Alyssa was acquaintances with Richard because they had met their mutual friends. However, he wasn't really part of her core friend group or anything like that. They weren't very close. But still, he tried to involve himself in her life, and he told 911 when he called that he was worried about her because of the store being open. The dispatcher sent some officers out to check on her, and they quickly realized that something was wrong. Officer Chris Hines went into the home to look around, and when he got to Alyssa's bedroom, he made a horrific discovery. There in her bed, Alyssa lay dead with blankets pulled up around her. She still had a vacuum cleaner cord around her neck. But where was baby Anna? On their initial walkthrough, officers didn't see her, and so they had some hope. Maybe she was with another family member or a babysitter. And there is a show about this crime. And on that show, the detectives talk about how they were hoping with all their heart that they would find out that she was with someone else. Yeah, for real. But at the same time, they're wondering who could possibly have her. And so, police did a second walkthrough of the house to look for the baby. And this time, they lifted the blanket that covered Alyssa. And obviously, this is sort of discover disturbing the crime scene. So, they weren't, like, initially doing that as part of the investigation because they want to preserve everything and document it. Yeah, of course. But as they lifted this blanket, they saw the baby. Oh, no. And she Jesus. was lying against her mother under that blanket. And sadly, Anna was also deceased. Yeah, that's the worst. That's mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. Later, the medical examiner determined that Alyssa died from strangulation with that vacuum cleaner cord. And that cord actually contained DNA. And so the authorities knew that that DNA probably came from their killer, from holding the cord. So they were able to send that off for testing, but it would take a very long time, several weeks for them to get those results back. So they had to continue investigating. Right, of course. Meanwhile, baby Anna died from suffocation. That's and so awful. Who would do that to a baby? A psycho. 
Yeah, for real. Yeah, a total psycho. And it's actually worse than that. And we're going to get to those details later. But if you recall my trigger warning, Alyssa's mother, Stacy Ludy, pulled up to the house at around 12.30 p.m. that day, shortly after police arrived. She had plans with Alyssa that day and was coming over to pick up her daughter and granddaughter. Instead, she learned that they had died. And that has to be a, just a horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine how bad that has to be. Yeah, I mean, just the disbelief. Yeah. And the horror. Yeah, because, I mean, it just takes you, like, right from having, like, a great day to having, like, the worst day of your life. Yeah. Just like, I mean, just like that, you know? I mean, that that just has to be, like, the worst emotional whiplash you can experience. Definitely. At first, police thought that the murders may have occurred as part of a botched break-in based on the condition of Alyssa's home. However, they soon noticed signs that suggested that the crime could be personal. Early in their investigation, detectives Robbie Isom and J.B. Greer determined that Alyssa and Anastasia's killer must have known the victims. There was no sign of forced entry, and the killer used bleach to tidy up the scene after the crime. Now, normally, people only clean up the scene if they know the victim and they can be connected to the victim. Right, they're trying to hide their tracks. Yeah, and so that makes police start to think, this was someone close to the victim. Someone she let inside and that she trusted. And so, who in her life could possibly have done something like this? Good question. Yeah, because it's pretty bad. So, authorities began talking to the usual witnesses in a case like this. And one important witness in the case was the next-door neighbor who had called the police, and that was 35-year-old Richard Knopfsinger. Police asked him some questions about his day, but they didn't really hone in on him as a suspect. He wasn't exactly ruled out, but he was considered more like an important witness at first, unless as a suspect, because, like with any crime like this one, they wanted to focus in first on her fiancé, Austin. Because when you have someone killed who's in a relationship... A lot of times, you know, it is the partner. So they're thinking, could Austin have hurt her? As I told you earlier, Austin was in jail during the crime for violating his parole. So it seems like he couldn't have possibly done anything like this. Yeah. But police weren't so sure because they wondered if maybe he had connections with someone. Like someone he met in jail that had gotten released or someone he had managed to somehow contact from jail. Maybe he got angry Some of the things they thought about were maybe she had cheated on him since he was incarcerated and she was all alone. But when they talked to him, he's denied all that. And also Alyssa's family swore up and down that it just wasn't possible. She was extremely committed to Austin and she had those friends that she hung out with. It wasn't like she was all alone and susceptible to something like this. She had a lot of people in her life that cared about her. And also, you know, was waiting for Austin to get out so that they could get married finally. So this wasn't really a thing, according to her family and to Austin. And so, obviously, police aren't just going to buy their stories, even though, you know, they're all agreeing at this point. But they also wanted to look at another possible reason why Austin could be connected to it. Because they started to wonder if maybe Austin owed someone money. And maybe that person was dangerous and had decided to attack his family, you know, his fiance and his daughter in retaliation for him not paying back this money. Right. But Austin swore up and down, no, I don't owe anybody any money. This can't possibly be what happened. This is not what happened at all. 
And so even though police didn't completely rule this out, they started looking at other things. Now, according to Austin, he told police that there were some guys that would go over and check on his fiance and his daughter regularly that had been friends of his. And these friends were named Jesse and Noah. They are brothers. Now, Michael Alley, who is Austin's father, lived across the street from the house where Alyssa and Anna lived. And he said that he also saw Jesse and Noah coming over there to check on her. But unfortunately, you know, Austin had met these friends in jail and Noah just was the type of character that creeped Alyssa out. And so even though in their minds they seemed to think they were helping out and checking on her, he was really starting to bother her. Because he would look at her and stare at her and at one point he had actually flirted with her. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, and, like, this is his friend's fiance. Yeah. And this is going to make anybody uncomfortable. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't comfortable around him, but she was having some trouble, it sounds like, getting them to stop coming over there just because they weren't, like, respecting the fact that she didn't always want them over there. Right. So they kept coming around. And so both Austin and Michael start wondering, is it possible that these guys, specifically Noah, who was making her uncomfortable... Could they have something to do with this crime? So authorities searched for Noah, and they finally found him at Alyssa and Anna's funeral because they had a joint funeral. And he claimed that he had an alibi and said that he was with a friend that morning. But unfortunately for Noah, the police talked to this friend, and this friend said that he had fallen asleep. Uh Uh-oh. And so he couldn't verify the alibi. Yeah, that's always suspicious. Yeah, so maybe he was there, maybe he wasn't, nobody could say for sure. Police considered him a prime suspect just based on what people had told them about him and his answers to some of their questions, which seemed kind of off. But at the same time, they did not want to stop investigating yet, which is great because we always want to see lots of investigating. That's one of the things that we're like, yay about. Yes, absolutely. Per our last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Very yay on investigating. And you never know what you're going to find. And so they kept investigating even as they are focused in on him. Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals, and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening, thanks for your time, and stay safe. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. In addition to Noah, officers learned about another suspect while interviewing Alyssa's fiancé, Austin. He told them about a man named Glenn Lewis, who might be angry at Alyssa. And the reason why he was angry is that Alyssa had helped Lewis's former girlfriend report him to the police for a crime that he had committed over the border in North Carolina. 
and authorities wondered if he might have attacked Alyssa and Anna out of revenge for him having gone to jail for that. That would be a good motive. Yeah, that's a great motive. So police questioned both Noah and Glenn, as well as that friend that Alyssa helped report Glenn to the police. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a little bit. I didn't want to mention the friend's name just because she's not really involved in the crime part. Although some of these people, obviously, we've got a lot of suspects. We know we're going to rule out at least some of them, hopefully, right? I would hope so, yeah. As it turns out, this friend that Alyssa had helped, though, the girl, the friend had also dated Noah after she broke up with Glenn. So she had a lot of insight on both of these two men because she was just like, it was like a whole little triangle here. Yeah, she's tied in pretty good. Yeah, and so despite having these hot leads, though, and getting all this information from the girlfriend, authorities were still waiting for these DNA results to come back in from the crime lab to make their move. Because, again, that DNA could just eliminate all of the extra suspects and really tell them for sure who this was going to be. Yeah, hopefully it's helpful. Yeah, so they're, like, waiting before they make an arrest, even though they have this these prime suspects. As police waited for these DNA results, the investigation stretched over weeks. And then, about six weeks after the crime, this is before the DNA came in, so we're, like, looking in, we're looking at towards, you know, two months of investigating here. They got a break because Alyssa's friend, that same friend that was dating the two guys and that had helped report one to the police, came forward with another tip. And she said that Noah's brother, Jesse, told her that Noah was innocent and that the police should be looking into a guy named Ricky. Huh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So officers start looking for any guy named Ricky. Like, connected to this case. I mean, they're not just, like, at the DMV. <laughs> just, like, rounding up Ricky. It's right. like, get in the car. <laughs> yeah. They're like, how many Rickies can live in this area, you know? Yeah, they're looking for specific Rickies that are connected anyway to Alyssa. And as they're looking for a Ricky, they start to brainstorm and think to themselves, wait a minute, that first guy, the guy who found her body, was named Richard. Yeah, and Ricky is short for Richard. Exactly. And so they think that's the guy. So they start asking, you know, Jesse, is is this the guy? And he pretty much confirms it. And so the police start looking for Richard Knopfsinger, thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is a huge suspect. We need to question him. But they soon discovered that he had disappeared. Now, if you recall, he was living next door to her, but he was renting that space. I think he was actually renting a room from someone. And so he just up and moved. Uh oh. Pretty much right after the murder. Well, that's not suspicious. I know, right? And so <laughs> obviously the police are like, okay, well, we got to find this guy because this is yeah. so many red flags. We, we're really going to have to get him. Yep. So they're looking for him and basically calling him their suspect at that point. And when DNA results came back finally, authorities knew that they had their man because the DNA on the vacuum cord used to strangle Alyssa matched Richard Knopfsinger, her former neighbor. Oh, jeez. And it's just crazy that this is also the guy who called 911, which is so typical mm-hmm. of these people who murder. Like, they find the body. They just want it discovered. Like, oh, I am worried for normal reasons. Exactly. So he looks super suspicious in hindsight as you're looking at him. On Tuesday, May 17th, 2016 which was about two months after the murders, police arrested Knopfsinger. Authorities charged him with capital murder in baby Anastasia's death and first-degree murder for killing Alyssa. 
but his arrest just revealed more horror. He had a cell phone on him when he was arrested, so police searched it as part of their investigation. And on his phone, they found a lot of child sexual assault images and videos. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and these materials specifically included eight videos of Knopf Senior assaulting at least two different children who were toddlers. Oh, my God. Yeah, just disgusting Stuff. Yeah, that's awful. Also, just extra trigger warning. I included one of the the arrest affidavits in my sources for this. Don't read the whole thing if you're going to be like, just don't read it. The whole thing. You can read parts of it, but they list what's on some of the videos. And it's just like, it's not super graphic, but anything with, I mean, it's just disgusting. Yeah. Literally just knowing that they exist is gross. Yes, it is. And so I looked at, I was like looking at it to try to get more information for this episode. And then I like saw the list, like the first thing. And I'm like, why would you write this? Like, I guess they have to for legal reasons, but. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Can you imagine having to have that job though? Mm. Like that's like the worst job I can imagine. I know. Ugh, gross. Just gross. Anyway, it's, it's, it's not like, yeah, anyway, it's disgusting. We're not going to talk about it. So that is what they found. So at that point, local authorities called in federal agents to help with the investigation. And based on what they found, they determined that he was making these videos. And, I mean, he, you can tell that it's him in the video, apparently. Like, so they could just see him. Like, he wasn't trying to hide it. And so they were like, ooh, and filed charges. Yeah. Based on this evidence and their investigation, authorities then determined that Knopfsinger forged relationships with single mothers so that he could get access to their young children. And he would then assault the children and document it on film. And essentially, he was preying on single mothers. What a piece of shit. I know, a total piece of shit. What an absolute garbage person. Yeah. Jesus. He's just absolutely disgusting. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, ugh. Yeah, for real. I don't even have words. No. I'm like, I'm out of, I'm officially out of words because it's just disgusting. Yeah. After discovering this evidence, officers concluded that the motive for the murders may have been Alyssa's determination to protect her daughter from a predator. According to their timeline and the evidence they found at the scene, they think that Knopfsinger broke into Alyssa's home the night before they were found and that his intention was to assault Anna. And they think he may have also planned to rob Alyssa. Now, if you recall, Alyssa was very dedicated to her partner, Austin. So he couldn't try to date Alyssa or flirt with her to get to the baby. So the only way to get to the baby would be to break in. Because Alyssa wasn't going to leave her baby with him. Right. So that was like his only option if he wanted to do this horrible thing. So he broke in and the noise from the break-in woke up Alyssa. And she confronted him. And she fought to protect her daughter. Like, full-on fought him. And she did have some defensive wounds. And so, you police could determine that she did fight. But unfortunately, he was bigger than her, and he was able to overpower her. And in this struggle, trigger warnings, he sexually assaulted Alyssa. After he was done with that, he wrapped the vacuum cord around her neck and pulled it tight, slowly choking the life out of her. And then, with Alyssa deceased, he turned on baby Anna. And second trigger warning, he also assaulted her as well. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. And before leaving, he then smothered her. Based on this evidence, authorities charged Knopfsinger with production and attempted production of child pornography, which is their word, 
we are all now calling it child sexual assault materials or some variation of that. But that's the legal statute, like, name of it still. Yeah. Knopfinger faced his charges for the child sexual assault materials first. He pleaded guilty in a hearing held on September 7th, 2016. Investigators were able to present both the videos and the clothing that he'd worn while filming them. And additionally, police identified the children in the video, which allowed them to connect his pattern of behavior because they were able to go back and talk to their moms. In exchange for his plea, Knopfinger received a 60-year prison sentence, but he still had to stand trial for murdering and sexually assaulting Alyssa and Anna. Those close to Allie and Anna dreaded having to listen to trial testimony about what had happened, and fortunately, they wouldn't have to because in October 2017, Knopfinger took a plea deal and pled guilty to both capital murder and first-degree murder. In exchange for his plea, he received two life sentences to be served consecutively. By taking this plea, he avoided the death penalty, which I'm pretty sure he would have gotten. Because we're not pro-death penalty, but at the same time, like... I wouldn't be outside with the protest <laughs> sign for this dude. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not in favor of the death penalty, but there are just, like, that's how I like to say it is, like, mm-hmm. there, there are some people where I wouldn't protest, and this is one yeah. of those people where <laughs> yeah. I, I'd just be like, oh, they're sticking a needle in his arm and be like, all right, well, like, I mean, look, I mean, you do you, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jesus, what I mean, a... Ugh. I mean, we're better off without him, but... Let's all be honest with ourselves. <laughs> About the sentence, Alyssa's aunt Rose Kenny said, quote, He's already dead inside every day because that's where he'll live, in that cage, unquote. Plus, I think that has sort of a double meaning because he's dead inside because he can do these things. Yeah, because exactly. that's disgusting. Yeah. And since Nofsinger gets no parole, he'll die in prison. Alyssa's sister Geneva said what a lot of people think about this type of crime and said, quote, he's away from people he can hurt and he's with people that can hurt him, unquote. She's not wrong. I know. I simultaneously don't think that our gel should be dangerous. And I really feel sad for people who are assaulted, especially young people, because there are a lot of young people that are really brutalized in gels because of the fact that these types of assaults happen. But I feel like there's like a little tiny part of all of us, if we're all being honest, even the nicest person when we know about a child predator are not mad at all when they get assaulted in prison. I mean, you're not wrong about like that. If either. you're honest with yourself on some level, you're probably like just a little bit not mad. Yeah. Like I'm... I don't know if I would say I'm happy. <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, well, maybe don't be a piece of shit. Although, again, we shouldn't let people assault each other. Agreed. But at the same time, there's like a tiny part. Yeah. It's the evil part. But I feel like we all have it inside of us, if we're honest with ourselves, that are like, that's justice, except for yuck, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's it's especially hard when there's like crimes against kids, you know, because like a yeah. lot of the people like in the prison, like either the prisoners or like the guards and stuff, like a lot of those people have kids. I mean, yeah, you know. Exactly. I think that makes it harder. I mean, I don't even have kids, but I don't want anything to happen to any kids. Correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. It yeah. Makes it like, because they think of their kid. Yeah, exactly. They're going to think of their kid. and Yeah, you know, for yeah. reals. And then get all stabby. Well, yeah. After losing Alyssa and Anna, the family started the Allie and Anna Foundation to remember them. 
The charity offers scholarships for mothers who want to pursue their dreams, and the scholarships pay for school tuition or daycare costs, depending on which scholarship you get. Some scholarships are specifically for people who are going to school. Some are specific for people who need childcare while they do something, like go to school. And then they also offer a yearly award for someone named Alyssa and someone named Anastasia. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it has to be a different person each time. You can apply for it. The amount you get for all these awards depends on how many donations they get. They also pay for deadbolts on doors of women who live alone. And that's partially just because that's what happened, you know, to Alyssa and Anna. They were living alone, and this guy was able to break in. And so they're able to pay for these deadbolts as possible depending on funds so if you actually would like to donate to the Alyssa and Anna Foundation there's a link in our in our sources I'll try to rearrange it to put it near the top right now I think it's near the bottom so just be aware there is one you'll be able to tell which one it is because I think it has like Anna Alyssa Foundation in the title so if you want to donate I mean these all sound like worthy things and especially the door locks because I mean yeah people need safety that's right and they don't always get that safety. And so at least maybe that could help save someone's life. The family has acknowledged that even though losing them is a tragedy and there's like no silver linings whatsoever. Like this is a loss, plain and simple. And we shouldn't try to like polish it up. But at least they were able to take this horrible man off the streets who was doing all these things. And so even even though it's like not like we're trying to make it be like, oh, yay. Because it's not. It's just a tragedy. But this guy is off the streets now. So that is one positive, even though it's not it's, really, a, it's not a positive event. Yeah. It's it's good that he's off the street. Yeah. Screw that guy. Yeah. Both Alyssa and Anastasia are missed by family, friends, and everyone who knew them. And it's unimaginable what happened to them. I actually did not realize when I picked this case about the assault part of it. I only found out about that because it was in... I first noticed it in the the foundation itself because I looked at it pretty early on because we there is a there's a show about this there's an episode of Murder Comes to Town I think it is mm-hmm. that we that we had I'd already watched it and then I found this case when I was just looking for cases like I do a lot of different uh, like I guess it's kind of a literature review kind of of different cases from different places with different themes and I was just looking for a case in 2016 like in that year and i think i might have set it to virginia possibly because i didn't think we had done a virginia case i don't think we ever have and so anyway i was looking for a case and this one came up like it was like the big case for that year and there weren't a lot of podcast episodes about it probably because of the assault part of it because you know most people aren't like yay yeah (laughs) this happened And I saw what this guy did and I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. And at first I thought that Alyssa had successfully stopped him and that he had just like killed them in the moment and hadn't had time to do anything. Like in my mind, I thought like in his rage, he just smothered them really fast. And that was the whole thing, which is still horrible, but like slightly less horrible than having the sexual assault involved. And so I thought, I don't know why I thought that, but at the same time, the TV show really glosses over it and they don't talk about that. And then when I got to the foundation, like right after I watched the TV show, it says it on there. Like it's very, very blatant and blunt about what happened. And I was like, I had not realized that there was that part of it. And at that point I was already heavily invested in this case. And so I wanted to still do it, but I do worry about our, our poor listeners out there just being like, Oh my God, why? (laughs) 
Yeah. I'm not like enjoying this. Although to be fair, I think it's wrong that sometimes we ignore cases just because how bad they are. Because for me, this is something that I consider to be especially horrible, nauseating type things. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I don't think that Alyssa and Anna should just be ignored because their case is really, really horrible and sad. And this, and also too, I feel like there's a lot we can learn about this because one, you know, safety with door locks, but also really be aware of who is around kids because the police themselves were saying like this guy was doing a great job at weaseling his way into people's lives and a lot of people trusted him i mean it's hard for you know for people to vet everyone in their life but just being aware that a lot of these guys whenever they're trying to groom kids they groom the parents and the families as well like they're really nice to you they do things that are helpful to you to take the burden off you and make you think that they're a friend and that they're there for you. So the parents are just as involved in the grooming process as the kid. They don't walk up and be like, hi, I'm a pervert. I'm going to be really creepy right now so that you know that I'm a pervert. They walk in and they're, they, get, they say all the right things to you because they know exactly what to tell you to make you lower your guard and to think that this is a good person who's going to be good for your kid. But in reality, they're a big old pervert. And it's just hard to imagine that this is happening. And anyway, and so I just wanted to, to share that aspect, I guess, that we shouldn't just ignore their cases. And my mom suffered childhood sexual abuse. So this was something that we talked a lot about at my house. But when I was nine, I still had a neighbor do some stuff and so it was that was really traumatic for me especially considering that that same neighbor later on got caught as a teacher with child pornography or child sexual assault materials on his like computer or whatever and there's a lot of people in my life that don't even think this guy was guilty of the porn thing even though like I wasn't the only kid yeah and so it's really weird to me that you have these people with the support and I don't know, it's just, it's incredibly, you know, it's a traumatic thing. And so, and what happened to me really wasn't that bad compared to what happened to a lot of other kids. And so I don't really talk about it a lot just because it wasn't like to the same degree as some of this other stuff. But at the same time, it was still not good and still like something that was a bad experience. And also I was very happy when he went to jail which was much later. And so, I don't know. I just, like, feel like we still need to talk about these things, even though it is hard to talk about. I feel like that wasn't the most cogent <laughs> discussion point. But it's there. And I think a lot of us have experienced this, which is why we have trigger warnings in the first place. Like, a lot of, for a lot of people, it's just the fact that they've experienced it, which is disgusting that that's such a prevalent thing in our society that is out there that we we need to like address because i think working together is our best our best way of fixing things yep she says rambling okay so we are going to call it a day <laughs> and thank you for listening thank you for hanging in with us this far and i hope the ads weren't weird to have they're just inserting them for us we, we have the one that we put in for our other pod moth buddies but there should be a couple of extra ads this time i know it's not super great to listen to ads but we would love to have some, you know, some support and some, you know, to help us both pay for the podcast, but eventually, 
you know, earn some money from it would be great. So if you would like to get more of our content, you can go to patreon.com backslash backspod. Again, there's a link in our show notes. We have a lot of, of Patreon content over there. And a lot of those episodes are super engrossing. So you would, I think you would like them. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Also, you can email us at badxpot at gmail.com. People have used the email this week, which was great. So if you would like to communicate with us, please use that email. And don't use the one at the website, which I need to fix. Also, if you would like to follow us on social media, we are on everything at badxpod, including TikTok. Instagram is probably the one I post the most on. Aaron, would you like to tell them about our website? Uh, badxpod.com is the website. Uh, go check it out. It's a great website. Excellent. Well, have a great week. Have a superb weekend. We will see you very soon with another episode. Bye-bye. Bye.